Hello, this is David Sparks. I am joined by my fellow co-host, Rosemary Orchard, and this is The Automators, where we talk about how to automate your technology to do your bidding for you. Hello, Rosemary. Hey, David. How are you? Excellent. I am in the festive mood, and I thought it'd be Mm. fun to do a show talking about automation. Yeah. I almost wanted to do an advent calendar, you know, 24 automations, but I mean, we're probably going to cover at least 24, but there's just so much so much involved. There's just something about the holidays that make automation like stand out. I feel like it's like the one time in the year where you can impress your loved ones with your Mm -hmm. automation prowess. I think a lot of people are interested in automation around holiday decorations. And, you know, there's just a lot of things going on this time of year that involve electricity and where there's electricity there's the possibility to automate. So I, we, yes. we've got a lot to cover today. We did one of these shows a year or two ago, but we started looking at our list. We got a whole bunch of new stuff. So we thought, let's just do one more because I think, uh, you know, the technology is evolving and there's a lot more you can do now. And uh, we've yeah. got a full yeah. outline for today. Yes. And as well as, you know, the technology evolving, I think it's easier than ever to dip your toe in if if you if you weren't, you know, interested before. And let's face it, David, people have been doing automation when it comes to Christmas and the holidays for years. If you watch Home Alone, they know the exact time that all the different lights on each house turn on because everybody's using a timer switch. Well, nowadays, we don't have to program timer switches by going over to the wall and, you know, pressing little things in or something like that. We can control them by setting them up from our phones, um, which is, you know, even more powerful. What's his name? Kevin? Kevin? Kevin. What's his last name? Yeah. I don't remember. But he was like... McAllister. What, Kevin, McAllister, Kevin McAllister. One of the like original like automators. I mean, mm-hmm. that thing where you use the record player to make the cardboard cutout dance. I mean, come on. Yep. That is amazing, yep. right? Yep. Yep. That's pretty awesome. I also love um, Mark Rober, um, the guy on YouTube with the glitter bomb. Um, yeah. the, those packages are addressed to Kevin McAllister. Oh, are they? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, they are. Um, I love the fact that this pops up everywhere. And I mean, I think the thing is, is that automation belongs everywhere that you want to put it. And it's probably a lot of places that you haven't thought about as well. Uh, a little bit of a side thing here, but that same guy that does the glitter bombs, have you ever seen his squirrel obstacle course? Oh my gosh. Yes. The squirrel obstacle course is hilarious brilliant and wonderful and the follow-ups are really good as well yeah i just heard there's a follow-up i haven't watched that one yet we'll put it in the show notes but basically he had a bunch of squirrels in his backyard and he decided that if they're gonna eat they need to work for it and he built an obstacle course for squirrels and um yeah it's pretty funny watching it and and honestly it is kind of on brand for automators right i mean that is very definitely is he is very much more on the engineering side um of automation but um, it, it it's very cool watching a lot of his stuff, uh, and it's it's one of my uh, well one of the YouTube channels that I will always make time to watch uh, when there's new stuff that comes out, just because things like the glitter bomb and so on are are really impressive. Yeah, yeah, I, it's nuts. But the but there, there's definitely an overlap, I believe, between all of that and people who are interested in automation. So uh, so we'll put we'll put those links in the show notes, and you can enjoy that stuff. Um, the uh, so let's talk uh, automation though in terms of the holidays, and I thought it'd be fun just going to start out with some of the stuff we're doing or thinking about doing as we record this. One of the ones that you had written down, I don't think you've done it yet though. Though, although I think is a great idea, is the um, 
is the Advent Calendar Wallpaper Automation. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea that I've got that I'm, I'm still working on, but I'll get a link into the show notes uh, for people who are, are interested, is um, essentially that every day um, throughout December, you end up with a different wallpaper um, based on uh, the day of the, the month. Um, and so you use shortcuts um, to do this, but you can also do this on the Mac using something like Keyboard Maestro. Um, and the idea is basically you point shortcuts or keyboard maestro uh, at a folder um, and it contains a very simple series of numbered files um, and so you have 31 of them um, because of course there's 31 days in December um, and then every day in December it will go in and it will get the one with that day's number and then you're done and it, is, it says it's your wallpaper and you're done and especially on the iPhone where you can just set the lock screen wallpaper or the background wallpaper behind your apps and you don't have to set both you know, it, it, it's a really nice way to both change things up a little bit and bring you a little extra joy every day without also having a significant impact on how things work. Because, of course, you know, everything still works with a different wallpaper. It's just a little prettier, maybe. Yeah. And Shortcuts now has the set wallpaper action. That's something that mm-hmm. was um, in beta last year and got pulled at the last minute. I'll, I'll, I always wonder why that one never made the cut. Them. I, I think uh, I, I remember reading that you were technically able to set any file as the background image and a file is not an image. Yeah. Um, and therefore, I think it was pulled probably for security reasons. I don't know if they were being uh, somewhat paranoid when it comes to the security reasons or if they were genuinely very concerned that something could go wrong there. Um, uh, but it doesn't matter because they pulled it and uh, they brought it back. And I've just realized set wallpaper should work on macOS as well. So maybe I can set my my shortcut to work cross-platform on all of the devices, Yeah, um, which would be lovely. Though, of course, it will have to point at different folders on different devices, David, because I don't want an iPhone wallpaper appearing on my iPad. But I've got a pretty good idea of how to solve that using device details. Get yeah. device details in shortcuts. And so you have a folder called holiday wallpaper inside, you know, in wherever some shortcuts can access it. And then inside of that, you would have one for iPhone, one for iPad, and one for Mac. And then it can go into that folder within the the whole day wallpaper folder. Yeah, to get it. and you'd nest those in an if command. So first you get the device details. What you know is it an iPhone? I mean, actually, I just get the device details and and then get the type of device and then take that type of device and put it in the folder. So you don't even need to do any if branching, which should make it easier. Yeah, and then you could you could account for all three of them in one shortcut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, that exactly. Would work. That would work. The other thing I think would be fun with that would be to do a random call, like pick a random yes. number. And that's easy enough with shortcuts or keyboard maestro. And then you select a random file. So you don't yes. have the... Um, well, the other thing that you can do instead of just doing the number to start with um, is you can actually filter files. And this is an action in shortcuts. I think it might be called sort file. No, no it's filter files. Um, and then you can say sort by random and then limit it to, say, one file. Um, Because then you'll just pick a random one every single day. Now, what I would go ahead and do after that, just because for me, random, I want not true random. I don't want things to repeat themselves. Yeah. So what I would do after is I would then, you know, set set the wallpaper. So you you get all the wallpapers for that device. Uh, You filter it to get a random one. Um, You set that to your background, and right at the end, delete the file. 
because otherwise um, you'll have true render and you can get the same one multiple times. But by filtering it down, by by deleting the file at the end, you're um, removing it from the pool. You're taking it out of the pool, and that way you've not got true random, which is just like iTunes now Apple Music's uh, random is not true random. They try to make sure that you hear everything before it starts over. Um, this will work the same way. And what what I would also do is before I would not make that folder the only place I keep that data. Like if no, you go to the no. trouble of getting 31 holiday themed wallpapers, just make a copy of it. So you're deleting yes. copies, not your original set next year. You can make another copy and run the same shortcut again. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That is definitely what I would do there um, to, uh, to make sure that happens. But it is uh, something I've been playing with. I had something similar last year um, and it was pretty great, but it, the way it worked was that I knew exactly what files I had and I had them assigned to a specific day of the month. Um, I hadn't really thought about randomizing it, but this way you don't even have to name the files um, in a specific way. You can just, um, you know, filter randomly and leave them with whatever default names they have or whatever pretty names you've given them. Yeah, that works. Um, And shortcuts for Mac, there's kind of some updates on that. I want to talk about that. We're, we're going to cover that towards the end of the show today, but there's there's news on that front. Mm-hmm. And Rose and I have some things we want to talk about with respect to yeah. where Shortcuts for Mac is currently. But either way, um, all right, well, that that's a good one, Rose. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I think we've just, we've just fleshed it out a lot more um, right now because uh, I've been talking to you. And that's one of the great things about automation, especially when it comes to the holidays. People are much more open to talking about these things and being excited by um, possibilities and going from there to, uh, you know, actually creating things for others can also be great fun. I, after that one, I have a very simple one, but this is one that I absolutely rely on. Um, I got on Amazon for, I think all of about 15 or $20 a few years ago, a home kit enabled plug um, mm-hmm. and so you, they've got a little QR code on it. You hold it up to your phone and it pairs with HomeKit nicely. You don't have to go to any third party apps. And I have it in the garage connected to the string that goes outside that puts the outdoor lights on it. And I know there's a lot of ways to do this. Like, uh, and so this is controlling my outdoor lights and the, yeah. it's a very simple home kit formula. Uh, it just says when it's dark, turn them on and then turn them off at 10 PM. And the, um, now I know people listening, I'm like, well, there's a lot of other ways. Like we, we could do the, um, the, the home alone way where you just put it on a timer. Um, and they make those where you can just plug it into the wall and it turns on a specific time. But I don't really like that because the, when it gets dark changes during the course of the holidays. Um, yeah. another way to do it is they make outdoor sensors where it senses when it's dark and then turns the lights on. Yeah. Um, the problem with that is sometimes, um, I want to turn them off early or late and yep. I love having the ability to just open my phone and push a button and turn them off or on. And like I said, it's very inexpensive to buy one of those plugs. Um, yep. the other problem with the light sensor one is I used to keep it in my yard. I had one of those for a few years and every time I'd pull in the driveway, the headlights would hit the sensor sensor would think it's daylight the lights would turn off every time i pulled in the driveway and then when i turned my car off then the sensor would say oh it's dark again let's run them for another six hours you know um so the you know the home kit automation is just such a superior technology for outdoor lighting 
Yes. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, and honestly, even if um, you're thinking, oh, I don't know about HomeKit, you can just get a smart plug where you can control it. Now, one of the the things I'll say, if, you, if you've not already, you know, tried, tried home automation stuff out with this, um, is... Um, you'll probably end up with a Wi-Fi plug and those those are pretty good. Uh, I've got a Meros one, uh, M-E-R-O-S-S. Um, I got that for a couple of friends actually last year to automate their trees and so on with indoors. But they also do outdoor ones, uh, outdoor rated plugs, which is pretty good. Um, so you you can look at that. But if you're, if you're just thinking, oh, I'll just get one to try it out or maybe I can get one for my parents, it is absolutely something you can do because if you get uh, a, one of these that's a decent one, it'll have a power button on the side. Yeah. Um, and that means that you can then, you know, you can just walk over it to it and press the button to turn it on and turn it off, which means that even for those people who aren't necessarily super into automation, it's going to be very easily accessible to them because they'll look at it and they press the button that's got a power symbol on and it turns the tree on. Woo! And then they press the button and it turns the tree off. Um, and then you can put schedules and so on in the app or you can add it to HomeKit um, for that sort of thing, which is quite nice. Yeah. I mean, it's nuts that, you know, this stuff is as simple as plug and play at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way I handle the outdoor versus the indoor plug, they, they do make outdoor plugs. Um, I've had less luck with those in the past. I feel like there's a combination of of problems that's hardened for rain and whatnot, and I think that makes it yeah. harder for radio signals to get through to it. And um, and it's also just farther away from my router, and so exactly, I've had harder yeah. a harder time kind of keeping those consistently working. Um, but they do work, and uh, but in my case, what I did was um, I run the cord actually from the garage outdoors, so. I actually mm-hmm. put the plug indoors before yep. the cord goes outside. And that way yeah. it's protected from the weather. It's closer to the router and it just works 100% of the time. And let's face it, if you need to troubleshoot it, like, you know, something's something's not working, it's much easier to go into a garage to troubleshoot than it is to go outside when it's wet and cold and all of those things. It's, I was really hoping you'd say garage with your British accent because that sounds so <laughs> much cooler yeah. than the way I say it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it it is much easier to do that. Um, not that I've had to do any troubleshooting on these, but um, at least on the Maros ones. Um, but but that is certainly something in their favor. And of course, it's it's pretty easy to buy an outdoor rated extension cable or extension lead. Um, or what is it? Uh, gang switch. I've I've forgotten the American term for that. Um, yeah. uh, the the and those are cheaper as well. Um, so you know, solve a couple of problems there. Um, speaking of these uh, plugs, actually, David, this year I've swapped. Last year I was using a couple of individual smart plugs on my Christmas tree. Yeah. Um, and this is fine um, when you think, you know, you just got one or two things. But, of course, I have more than one or two things. And I had to plug an extension lead in and then plug the smart plugs into that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's pluses and minuses. But the the problem with an individual smart plug is it's quite bulky. Um, so you've got, you know... For example, for me, I've got an extension lead. So that's one thing that plugs into the wall with like three or four sockets. And then I had the smart plug on one of those. And then the thing that was plugging into it, which of course has got its own transformer on top, um, on top of that. So I'm there looking at something, you know, um, 
15, 20 centimeters, six, eight inches high. That, that's, that's pretty big um, and quite frustrating. So this year I have swapped. Um, my parents are the happy recipients of two smart plugs, pre-labeled Christmas tree and Christmas lights um, and a remote control that pair with their IKEA um, uh, hub that they already have. Um, I've given them that and I bought a smart extension lead, which, you know, one thing into the wall, four sockets, two USB ports, all individually controllable. Well, individually controllable, the USBs get controlled as one. Um, but I figured this is going to be a better Christmas solution for me because then I just plug one thing in and all of it's controllable. And that's uh, that's that's what I'm doing this year, which is, I think, easy uh, enough to, to grok. The only thing I have to watch is uh, I've got some smart lights, but the only place I have to plug them in is the smart extension lead. So I'll just have to make sure I don't turn them off on the extension lead. Now, did you get the Miros one? Which which one did you get? I did get the Miros one. Yes, um, it 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 was uh, on sale, um, as these things frequently are at this time of year, and it's HomeKit compatible. Um, so I don't need to futz around with HomeBridge or Home Assistant to try and get it into HomeKit. Um, though that said, holiday lights are pretty set it and forget it. So if I had ended up with something like one of the TP Link ones, which isn't HomeKit compatible then I could have just set up a schedule. Um, and I'm sure in their app, it would have been fine. But I, I went for HomeKit just because I, I like having everything in one app to control that I want to control. Yeah, and this is new since the last time we covered this. Um, these uh, smart power strips, for lack of a better yeah. term. And I'm just looking at Amazon now, and there's a whole bunch of them. Um, I know you've been pretty happy with the Miros stuff. I the, the little power plug I have for the outdoor light is one as well that I bought last year on your recommendation. And the, this Miros 4 outlet um, yep. power strip uh, is not on sale, but it's $41. So it's about $10 per plug. And yep. as I understand it, each one of these is individually addressable via HomeKit. Yep. So yep. like if you had a Christmas tree and maybe a Christmas village and a few other decorations – and you had them all in the same place, you could just run one of these yeah. and run everything. Man, this is tempting, Rose. I think I might have to order one of these. They are really good. Um, and I'm sure some people are there going, wait, why are you going to want to control some of these things individually? Um, well, for me, at the very least, my Christmas tree is next to my television. Yeah. Um, and so that means if I want to sit and watch a film, I don't have to sit and watch in pitch darkness. Absolutely not. But certainly I have lights that, um, go around the unit that my TV sits on and so on. Um, and so what I like to do is I like to dim the room and that means turning some of these lights off, but not all of them. Um, because otherwise, of course I could just buy one single smart plug, put it in the wall, um, and then pull like a regular, uh, power strip, as you call it, extension lead is what we say over here, um, into that. The only thing, the only other thing I'll say about that is you need to watch the, uh, the rating of the smart plug. If you're planning on plugging a power strip or an extension lead into a smart plug, check to make sure that it can handle the amperage, uh, and voltage of what you're putting through it. Because um, some of these can be quite low rated. Most of them nowadays, I think the Meros individual ones are 13 amps. Um, but uh, you, you need to basically just just have a look um, and do a bit of maths to do a sanity check on that to see whether or not it'll be okay. And that's one of the reasons why I, I ended up going for the, the smart extension lead or the smart power strip. Just because this way, I don't even need to think about this. It's definitely rated for everything. Fortunately, LED lights nowadays are incredibly low power. Uh, but the the bonus USB ports uh, on mine are really good. You can find a lot of USB Christmas decorations nowadays. Um, and of course, they're not smart. But being able to control all of the USBs, 
Um, so, you know, this little USB uh, fun things can turn on and off is pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. And, and I would just add on to that. You made the point, but LED lights, which are what most Christmas decorations are these days, are much lower voltage and wattage than historic. I'm sorry, they're much lower wattage. I guess they'd be the same voltage, but the, um, they, mm-hmm. uh, they're much lower in their powered demand. So it's easier to yeah. string them together. It's easier to put them on these uh, relatively low amperage uh, automation tools and you're not going to have any problem. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still a big fan of being able to individually control different sections just as I feel like I want to. Um, but uh, depending on what people need, then maybe maybe one of the $10, $15 uh, smart plugs is a good idea. Or maybe maybe you go a little bit out there and convince uh, yourself to get the smart power strip because let's face it, you can always repurpose it after Christmas. You uh, so you have now officially cost me money. I just pushed the button. Excellent, excellent. Uh, we've officially enabled David. Um, I believe that means that every automator's listener gets five bonus points. Gold star for Rose. Yep, yep. I get a gold star. Everybody else gets five points, and everybody knows points mean prizes. <laughs> this episode of the Automators is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Go to LinkedIn.com/automators and post a job for free. These days, small business owners are busier than ever, and spending time searching for the right candidates can feel like you're just taking time away from growing your business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find people you want to talk to, faster and for free. Getting the right job or getting the right employee is just super important. Not only do you want to have the right fit for skills and abilities, but you also want to have the right chemistry and the kind of person that will fit in with your team or the kind of employer that understands you. And that's why hiring the right person is so important to a business as well as getting the right job for you. How can the right person make a difference to the team? Well, they do that by having the skills and abilities, but also the right fit. If you're hiring, you can create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash automators, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-O-R-S. That's linkedin.com slash automators to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the automators and all of FM. I've got another one that I'm in the process of consolidating. It's called Yuletide, and it's like the master shortcut of all Yuletide shortcuts for me. And when I do that, it triggers all the lights, all the Christmas lights in the house, and it starts playing my Christmas playlist. It's like when I need like good like feelings, good holiday feelings, I just say, you know, hey, you know, who um yuletide and then everything goes off and i'm still working on things i can do with this but so currently what i've got it doing is playing my yuletide playlist out of music i'm directing it at my home pods 
and I'm turning on the tree because we actually have two trees. We have, it's a long mm-hmm. story, but we have two trees and we also have a little village. So I turn on all three of those things and music starts pumping. What more should I be doing with this rose? What more? Hmm. Well, I mean, I personally have multiple different playlists, which I use at this time of year. Um, and essentially what I've done is I've built two core playlists. I've got Christmas music, which is, um, you know, more modern uh, Christmas music, not carols primarily. Um, yeah. And then I've got Christmas carols. Um, and so I use these as a foundation uh, for other um, playlists. Now, I, I, I say this with uh, a little caveat, which I recently discovered. Uh, if you create a smart playlist uh, for music, which you have to do in the music app on the Mac, um, and you then want to see that smart playlist on iOS and your iPad and in CarPlay, you cannot use another playlist as a source. And this was driving me completely and utterly bonkers until I figured it out. So what I did is I then selected all the things in those playlists and I just added a note to them that says Christmas or Christmas Carol. Um, actually, I think I specifically called it, uh, added the note Christmas music, not Christmas, because otherwise I'm looking for contains Christmas and of course Christmas carols fall into that. Um, but then I use these. So um, earlier on in the year, um, you know, as we record or before we record, which is naturally before the show releases, I will have um, or I will allow Christmas music to be mixed in with the other music that I'm listening to. Um, but I don't necessarily want uh, Christmas carols mixing into that unless I'm listening to my typical background music, which is, you know, less. Um, I, I guess less upbeat is the wrong word, uh, but it's it's usually a slower tempo um, sure. and so on. And Chris, Christmas carols More are like ideal to mix into that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, just because they're not, I mean, some of them are, but most of them aren't necessarily something that you're immediately going to stop what you're doing and sing along and uh, dance to. Um, so, um, yeah, so I mix those in. And then as it gets um, closer to Christmas, then I will actually play those playlists as just um, just that kind of music, um, which is quite nice because then I have all of the options. Um, but one of the things I have done recently is I have a, an automation with CarPlay where I get into the car um, and my, my phone connects to CarPlay. It waits 30 seconds and checks if audio is playing. If audio is not playing, um, then usually it would just start my driving playlist. But of course... It, it it's getting to Christmas, right? So, and I love Christmas, so I've changed it, and now it set it checks the month, okay? And it it, it gets the month, and if the month is December, then it's gonna play my Christmas playlist instead. So I get Christmas music in the car um, automatically, but only in December. So in January, it's not gonna happen anymore, and I can forget about that until next year, at which point it will start again. Um, the reason for the thirty second wait is sometimes. Um, I'll want to specifically select something, but I'm pretty good about doing that as soon as I get in the car. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, that's that's one thing I've done there. And I, I have to say, quite like having that as uh, options um, just because it, it allows me to sometimes, you know, sometimes if you're listening to music a lot, you get overloaded with the same Christmas songs playing everywhere. Um, so by, by allowing it to mix with other regular music, it is less uh, so over the top. Um, and of course, I can play those plays anytime I like. And uh, my shortcut action, actually, I have a shortcut action, uh, David, that I have on my home screen. Usually it shuffles a big uh, playlist uh, for me. But of course, uh, I've changed that one as well because it's December to 
uh, pick um, the one that allows Christmas music in there. Yeah. I, I do think there's something to be said for having like a master holiday um, shortcut. Yeah. You know, we, we've all seen like those movies. There's always like this movie with like a cheesy bachelor, like, you know, and he's got the lady coming over to his bachelor pad and he mm-hmm. pushes a button and like the disco ball starts up and the Barry white music starts up. And it's like, that's dumb. But I, I do think that uh, there's like a Christmas or a holiday version of that. And like one of the things I was thinking about, maybe I want to do because the one I have currently, all it does is turn on all the holiday lights and start music. But then I got thinking, well, it'd be kind of cool if it dimmed the rest of the, the, the lights in the house, but only in the evening. Right. I mean, and yes. I, I guess that would probably, huh, what would be the best way to do that? I could do it on a time trigger. Like if it's past a certain hour to turn the lights down. Yeah. Um, so the the thing is, is if you want this to be part of the scene, are you using a shortcut for this? Um, yeah, just, for, it's just for a your shortcut. Yeah. 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 So then you can just add um, an if into that and, you, and get the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so what I would probably do, um, I mean, if it's dark is one of those very difficult questions that yeah. is it dark? I don't know. Um, but what you can do is um, you you can use the weather. Um, and if you get the um, get your current weather, that use that action um, to get your current weather, and then you can say um, with uh, something like sunset time. Um, so get sunset time, and then you can say if it is um, before. And I believe you can then input your current date and time. If you when you say before, it will automatically then give you a pop up to select the date. Don't do that. Tap and hold on your date, and then you can set current date um so you can say if your sunset time is before current date then um then you'll dim the lights in that um to do that so yes that that's how i would handle that one although because uh, w- because that's so contingent upon then yeah. the device going and finding the sunset time and like it's going to slow things down the more i think about it i think i'm just going to use if it's after 5 p.m because that's when yeah. it could start here i don't need exactly yeah yeah, I mean, the good news is getting the current weather um, is usually incredibly quickly. Yeah, uh, It usually does it really quickly because iOS, even if you don't use the weather app, does update this information in the background, um, which means that it's it's got it ready. Um, and so you you can you can utilize that um, because for a long time, that was how, David, I always got my current location because I would get the the weather and then get my current location from the weather. Um, instead of doing get current location, but I, I'm pleased to report I, I was testing something recently and I found get current location is incredibly quick now. It's really good. Something I'd I'd love to hear from the listeners at the uh, talk.automators.fm forum is what is your like master holiday shortcut? You know, what is your mm-hmm. version of this? Um, yeah. I'm sure like I remember a few years ago, everybody made their daily briefing shortcut. Like everybody had one where they'd get, you know, certain RSS feeds and they'd get the weather and the schedule for the day. And everybody had like a different version of that. I feel like this is another thing like that. If you've got one or you're doing something fun with it, put it in the forums. We maybe yeah. we'll uh, come back to that. Yeah. Put it in the forums and tell people what you're doing with it as well. So they don't have to just download your shortcut to, uh, to figure it all yeah. out. Yeah. Um, 
especially because don't forget uh, what looks to you like a perfectly formed shortcut uh, when somebody else downloads it and they don't have your HomeKit home um, or the same apps installed, then a whole bunch of things go missing. So uh, as much as I don't like massive shortcuts uh, uh, that are just photos, um, you know, do both. Uh, give give people a link and uh, either describe it or or add some screenshots. Uh, you can always stitch them together with something like Pixo, um, so that uh, you don't have a thousand screenshots to upload, just a few. All right, Rose, tell us about Twinkly Lights. Okay, so Twinkly Lights. There's something I got last year. They um they 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 came up. I think I spotted them on Reddit. Um, and basically they are the ultimate smart home lights. And when I say smart home lights, I mean, you put these on your tree or whatever it is, because you don't have to put them on a tree. Um, And then you scan them with your phone and it maps them so that you you can have a rainbow effect going from the top of your tree to the bottom of your tree or a spiral effect going up like a candy cane or something like that. Um, And this is really cool. There's a whole bunch of effects in the app. And last year to get them into HomeKit, I had to use HomeBridge, um, which is a service I've got running. It basically goes, oh, right, these services aren't available in, in, in HomeKit, but there was somebody who really wanted their Dyson fan or their twinkly lights in HomeKit. So they wrote uh, a plugin to interact with the API. Um, so you end up installing this little thing and it works. That's what I did last year. And that was fine. This year, Twinkly shipped an update, a firmware update to the lights, and they're HomeKit compatible now. So my my Twinkly lights are now natively HomeKit compatible, which is fabulous. Um, and I'm really excited by this because it means that I will be able to hopefully use HomeKit to set different scenes on my Christmas tree with rainbows and all of those things. Yeah, and it's really you know something else. You have to go to the website to really appreciate to see the examples. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you want your tree to have candy cane stripes, you can do that. That's one of the basic ones they've already built in for you. Yes. Yeah. I will say twinkly lights are expensive. I got mine on a black Friday sale. Unfortunately, um, I I think they've, they've got a black Friday sale this year, but this episode is releasing after that. But I would say if you're excited by the idea of them, do look to get them on sale because they are pricey. Um, the other thing I would say is as beautiful as all of their examples look when they're covered from head to toe twinkly, in twinkly lights, um, obviously Twinkly Marketing has a large budget for this stuff. They can just go and borrow the stuff yeah. um, and and then hopefully sell it as refurbs afterwards. Um, what I've done on my tree um, is it already had lights. It came pre-lit. I left those on um, and those go up in a spiral uh, anti-clockwise. So I started at the bottom in the same spot um, and went up the tree clockwise uh, in the opposite way and then i just turned off the lights the regular lights built into the tree to do the mapping so otherwise of course it gets confused because there are some lights that are permanently on while it's trying to to do that um so uh, you need to try and make sure that you, you don't have any other lights uh in the area when you map the tree um or whatever it is that you put lights on but it's it's amazingly cool um and i have to say it is really nice being able to say you know i really want you know, just these like five LEDs at the top of my tree to be this color. Um, and then I want the ones at the bottom of the tree to be that color. And then I'm just going to like draw random patterns on the rest of it. And especially if you've got younger kids, letting them color your Christmas tree is pretty cool, especially because you can easily save that so you can keep it for them. But then you can set it to something that you want uh, once they've gone to bed. Yeah. I mean, if you want, I mean, th- these are really expensive. Um, yeah. 
We keep I mean, saying that. How much are they? Lights, 250 lights uh, are 99 pounds here in the UK from Argus, uh, where they are currently on sale. If you look on the Twinkly website, then they list um, all the partners um, for um, the different kinds of things in different countries. Um, so uh, in the US, you can get them apparently on Amazon. Um, and I am just looking right now uh, yeah. to see. I'm looking on um, Amazon for, you can get a 400 light pack, which is 19 linear feet of lights for $160 as we record. I don't know if yeah. that's a sale or not. And then yeah. you can get a two pack for $320. But, um, and I haven't bought these and I, I probably won't to be honest, but the, um, but it really like it's such a game changer with your tree if you the way it works is just really fascinating as an automator I, i'm fascinated by the whole idea of it they you point the phone at it and then it maps the lights based on where they're located after you string them on the tree and yeah. then it's smart enough to coordinate and individually address each light to give you the patterns that you want i mean come on how can you not yeah. love that Yes, yeah. They also do other kinds of lights, uh, curtain lights, icicle lights. They've got some, uh, they do pre-lit trees and so on as well. Those are quite expensive. Um, I think they're $600 or something, which is crazy. But they also uh, recently released festoon lights, which are string lights that you leave outside all year round, which have large colored, um, you know, uh, I think they're G45 type bulbs. Um, on them, like they're the sort of things that you would see at, you know, events or permanent outdoor areas that maybe, you know, uh, you go to a restaurant or a cafe that has that sort of thing hung up, hung up outside and you can control those as well, um, which is, you know, quite nice. Um, I, th I think those are currently sold out on Amazon in the US, but I've seen them in a couple of places and they're really nice. So uh, if you want to go crazy um with this stuff then uh yeah have a, have a look at the sales for this or maybe wait until january for those um but i've certainly got a lot of enjoyment out of my twinkly lights so uh for me it was worth it but i did get them on sale now rose uh you've had yours a couple years now the twinkly lights yeah. yes yeah i got them last year okay and everything's working okay with them yeah, yeah. Um, I did get them out this year. Um, I got the whole box out because I attached them to the tree, and then because it's a pre-lit tree, I just I, I attached them in such a way that it meant that I could leave them on the tree. Yeah. Um, and so I got them out, plugged them in, did the firmware update, everything works. Um, and then I put the box away again because it was a little too early to decorate at that point, and I was busy. Um, uh, so I I had to sadly put it away. But yeah, they they seem to be working great. Um, and they do have the option to uh, add a music controller, so you can have them. Uh, you know, flash patterns in time with your music, which is an, an option that sometimes you, you want and sometimes you don't want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, talk about like, I, at the beginning of the show, I said, you know, automation can really be used to impress this time of year. But just imagine like for your family putting these things on, not really telling them what you're doing. And when it's done, you start like turning your tree into a candy cane or whatever you want to do with it. And I mean, that's kind of amazing, right? I mean. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I I hear frequently from listeners who say, oh, I love this stuff, but, you know, my partner's not so interested in this. And I think that this is one of those things where, especially if you did manage to get them on sale, um, your partner would probably be the one egging you on to do it just because they are pretty fun um, for things like that. And 
even when you get bored of manually changing it all the time, you can select a series of scenes and have it cycle through them. Um, and so it will do the rainbow tree, then the candy cane tree, then the the twinkly stars tree or whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, go back, um, which is, you know, really nice for I'm not, you know, I don't want to be playing with this all the time, but I want to have the option to play with it and have all the cool, fun features, um, which, you know, you get with some truly smart lights. Um, and I'm I'm pleased with mine so far. They, they, they seem great. Um, and I've heard from uh, other people that they love them as well. So. I'm crossing my fingers that uh, they continue to be as fabulous as they've been so far. This episode of Automators is brought to you by DevonThink, the flagship product from Devon Technologies. DevonThink is the most professional document and information management application for the Mac. It's the one place for storing all your documents, snippets, or bookmarks and working with them. The integrated AI assists you with filing and searching, while the extensive search language with advanced Boolean operators makes it really easy to find literally anything. DevonThink features a flexible sync system that supports many cloud services or lets you synchronize over the local network too with everything securely encrypted. This gives you the choice however syncing works best for you. DevonThink's AppleScript dictionary is one of the largest on the Mac. There's no part of DevonThink that can't be automated. And you can extend DevonThink's functionality with your own commands by adding them to its scripts menu. Even templates can have scripts inside them and you can set up new documents with data from placeholders or insert it by your own AppleScript code. And of course, it's got smart rules and flexible reminders that let you automate all parts of your workflow and delegate boring and repeating tasks. Let DevonThink automatically organize your data with rules you define. And of course, there's so much more. From an iOS companion app to email archiving, scanning, or even an embedded web server sharing your data securely with your team. You can get 10% off DevonThink 3 or upgrade to it right now. Just go to devontechnologies.com slash automators. That's devontechnologies.com slash automators for 10% off. Our thanks to Devon Technologies for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right, Rose, I have a holiday-related automation challenge I want to share with you in the audience. All right. My wife uh, loves Disney more than life itself. And so Mm -hmm. she recently found online, you know, it's one of these COVID things where somebody got stuck home a long time, so they made a product. And I think it's 3D printed, but if you go to Disney World, they have these magic bands that you wear in your wrist. And I shared a couple episodes ago that I, that I, it's just an RFID. So I just, I trained shortcuts to read that as, you know, so now she can like open the Disney app on her phone by just tapping her wrist to her phone. You know, it's just a very simple shortcut automation. If it senses this, then open an app. I mean, it's a one-step automation. Yeah. Uh, But that got her thinking. And now, so this guy makes this product and it looks just like the, the readers they have at Disney world. It's got like an led light in it with a Mickey head and they've got different versions of it, but she bought the basic one that looks like the reader in Disney world. And all it is, is a reader and it's got a plug in it. And so it, what it does is it turns on a plug. So uh, it's kind of limited in terms of automation. Like I can't address it to be a home kit. No. And um, I, I don't I don't think there's really anything I can do with it, except she can take her wrist and tap it against it and something will turn on. But I want to do something more with this. And I don't know what that is, right? Like I'm thinking mm-hmm. like currently we could maybe hook it up to the second Christmas tree, but then it takes it off the automation path for me. And I don't really yeah. want to do that. But 
I need you automators to help me here. What what should I do with this thing? I mean, I guess my question is, is is there a way to communicate with this? No. Other than with the the NFC tags? No, there isn't. Mm. It's just a dumb reader. I mean, the the one thing that definitely occurs to me is um you could have so assuming that this turns on and off a plug, you could yeah. have it turn on and off um something which then can send a signaled home kit that it's on. Yeah. Right. Um, because then if it does that, then you can use that being on to trigger something else. Um, because if there if there was a way to talk to this over Wi Fi. Well, what is there that how does that work though? What what home kit device will well, take no. I'm thinking of something where, um, you know, it usually it would be on. Um, so, say for example, it controls a lamp, okay, yeah. and that lamp will get turned on and off, right? Yeah. Um, but if it had a hue bulb in it, and you didn't use the feature with the hue bulb to restore state after a power outage, yeah, then you it being turned on, it would then automatically come on, and then HomeKit can go, oh, this light has come on, excellent, I'm going to do this. Um, based on the light turning on. The light turning on would be the trigger for HomeKit, right? Yeah. Um, but it is, it's definitely a challenge. I mean, I, I have many, many ideas for how you could do something with that. You could use something like an ESP32, which um, has Bluetooth and, and Wi-Fi connections, but then you have to do electronics and programming to try and get something into this, um, which I think would be a challenge. Yeah, I think I'd like to ideally turn it into a home kit trigger, you know, and maybe we could put it near the front door or something. She yes. can walk in and tap it. Um, I guess assuming she's going to wear her, her, um, you know, her magic band when she walks in the yeah. door. I don't know. But I mean, I, I mean, just, I'm sure it could read any number of these different things. But if you put yeah. a link in the show notes to, to the reader that she's bought, um, or is looking at buying, then I'm sure people will uh, certainly chime in with ideas, and I'm going to have a think about that as well because I'm I'm curious as to what might be doable with it. Um, and I bet uh, there there's there's a market. I mean, it's it's Disney stuff. Everybody loves Disney, um, and even you know though there's a lot of people who don't like Disney. Um, there'll be somebody else who is super nerdy into home automation um, and wants to get this into HomeKit. Yeah, I mean, I feel like. If I just turn it into a trigger, then I then I can do anything, right? But I've mm-hmm. got to figure out how to do that. Um, yeah. Because right now it's really just made to like turn on a lamp, and it seems so limited to me. You know, I want more, but at the same time, this is the closest my wife has ever come to like being interested in automation. So it's like I want to make this work for her, you know. But I want to give. Did it she more get the power. Darth Vader magic band scanner, David, no, or did she get the? She just okay. got the Mickey Mouse one, the basic one. I I can't have okay. the dark side in my house. What are you? What are you talking about? I mean, I was about? just checking. I was just checking because there's, you know, there. I, I I think I found the 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 site on Etsy, um, yeah. where they've they've got all sorts of things. So they've got um. Uh, a Mickey Touchpoint one. They've got a Haunted Mansion. They yeah. do have a DeLorean time circuit. DeLorean is not Disney, people. Um, yeah. Traveling Mickey, all sorts of things. I'll put a link in the uh, show notes. Yeah, it's an Etsy um, seller and you found it. And that's, that's yep. what they do. But the, um, and it, it's, a, it's a clever idea, but I just feel like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this thing. <laughs> yes. Know? Yeah. I mean, I think... I think that there's a way because they have um I there there was a the way I found this actually is I ended up on a website which linked me to them because they were telling how to build this yourself um and uh because because you can build this yourself I think 
you would be able to get a little creative um, and uh, put something together. But it's a question of what are you going to hook into it? Um, and you know what? Also, I, I just need to write the seller because she bought the, I wasn't involved with the purchase, but I need to write the seller. Maybe they've got something, some ideas too. Yeah, they, I'm sure they do have ideas for this. Um, just because they, you won't be the first person who's asked if they could be hooked up with something. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I may end up having to go down a rabbit hole of watching all the videos here to, uh, to get things set up. It's a shame she didn't get the magic door, David. That would have been, that would have been, uh, magic door. Easier. I don't know what yeah. you're... There's a magic door scanner. Um, oh boy. yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. And there's Galaxy's Edge. You're going to end up with the Galaxy's Edge one on your desk, I'm sure of it. Oh, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> Although I will say that Etsy does have a lot of interesting things. So uh, that's it. Yeah. Well, I ended up on the uh, original website. I put both the links to their Etsy store and their original website in the show notes um, for people because, uh, you know, there's choices um, as to where you get them from. Um, though I would say, don't forget, Etsy will take a cut um, out of uh, whatever the store owns. So you might get a better deal going directly to their website or at the very least they'll get, you know, they won't be charged for it. Um, so, uh, yeah, there is, uh, there's plenty of, uh, interesting things out there. I had not thought about using that sort of thing in your home, but looking on YouTube, there are people who've built, um, magic band readers and connected them to their front door and things like that so that they can unlock their door using their Disney magic band. Again, um, there'll only be one person in my house wearing a magic band. <laughs> so that's I know, but issue. the thing is, is, um, you, you can you can stick an NFC tag in yeah, the yeah. bottom of your phone sure, case, not the exactly. top of your phone case, but the bottom of your phone case. And just, just um, if I can, if you put it, it in the top of your one, phone case, yeah. then yeah, then it's always going to read that NFC tag, and you don't want that. But if you stick it in the bottom of your phone case, then uh, you you could use that on the same kind of reader because it's just an NFC tag. Exactly. All right. Separate topic. Uh, uh, it's also time to send out your holiday cards. Yep. And um, you know that opens up the whole thing that comes up in every nerd podcast about this time of year is what's the latest tech to, you know, create a set of mailing labels or, you know, how are you going to get these holiday cards addressed fast and easy? Yes. Um, well, before we dive too much into that, I do just want to say full props to my dad who has been doing this for so long. I literally don't remember when he started um, because he has been printing these mailing uh, labels for years um and recently he calculated he has uh twin uh he has three years of labels left um in in the box of labels that he bought over 20 years ago um so if you do want a cheap option then you can just buy a box of labels and then i i think you use this uh david there's um an option to print mailing uh labels in apple contacts yeah um where it will then lay them all out on uh, a sheet um in uh, and and you can customize that um, from from contacts only on the Mac. You can't do this from iOS, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but it is pretty great to be able to do that. And one of the ways that I have made this much easier for myself is I've created a group in contacts called Christmas. Um, and then I put people in that group as I want to send them Christmas things. I used to put the word Christmas um, in the notes, um, but then one of my friends moved to Christmas Lane 
Um, and that became problematic. Fortunately, she was somebody I wanted to send a Christmas card to anyway. Yeah. Um, but living on Christmas Lane kind of breaks the, I'll just search for the word Christmas and print all of these contacts uh, option that I had. So I'm now manually managing um, a group, which is fine. Yeah, and I'll add to that. Over the years, I have tried to use kind of my own home-built tagging system in contacts mm-hmm. where you go in the notes field and just put hash referral, hash holiday card, hash whatever as an idea that you search for that. And then you've got a group. I'll say that I, and then you can actually also create a smart group based on that hash. Yeah. Um, and that works. But I have come to the conclusion that contacts really isn't made for this. And I do occasionally run into problems and there are various problems. Sometimes it just doesn't work and I'm not really sure why. And, you know, I don't think the contacts app gets a ton of love and attention from Apple. So uh, I don't know when they're going to get around updating it. So I just manually create these groups. It is not that hard. If you do a search and you have an existing tag system, you can create a manual group and just copy them in with one drag. And then you know forever exactly who is getting what. And um, and that's just a uh, a little tip there from Sparky. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I like card hop on iOS for this because you can tap and hold on a contact and just select the groups right there, Yeah, which is really easy once, you, once you've once you added a contact or if you're thinking about things um, to do that. Oh, and I want to give full props to Apple's contacts here because when you print labels from contacts, um, you can say that you want to print, for example, the company, that's a checkbox, but the country or region, and then there's a is an option, but underneath that, you can say, accept my country or region. So for example, I can include the country on all of the country, uh, on all the addresses, except for those people living in the UK, because I'm in the UK. Um, and that is, that that's really nice. Um, and I like, I, I like having that as an option, um, just because you can, you can do all sorts of things. And actually, um, I'm really glad that you did put this link in the show notes because it reminded me that as well as printing on a sheet of labels, which you can put through any inkjet printer, it does work with my label printer as well um, because I have a label printer. At one point, I was I was sent addressing a lot of things and it, it made sense to buy a label printer. Um, it It's a brother one. It's a QL810W for anybody who's really curious, but it is meant for businesses who print labels, lots of, lots of labels. So... Um, it, it is appropriately priced for that, unfortunately. Um, but you can get cheaper label printers with just USB, um, just USB input, and of course you can print in the right format for those as well um, as defining. You can even define a custom label uh, size as well in mail, which is really good. Um, and I'm I don't know now if I'm going to use Context Print or the um, Brother P Touch software, which has, of course, um, a mail merge option to create labels with. Yeah, and this is all, we're, we're sourcing this from an Apple article for this mm-hmm. purpose. We'll put links in the show notes. The Apple Contacts app formats it automatically for Avery Standard. Um, yep. Avery's a vendor here in the United States that makes um, basically labels that you can run through a printer and then unstick them. But I believe, looking at the article, it also supports A4, which is probably what you'd be using over in the UK. Um, can, can I just say that you guys have got the paper thing figured out? I mean, I, I don't yeah, know A5 why. A5 is half of A4. B5 is exactly halfway between A5 and A4 and so on and so forth. It's it's metric is wonderful. Um, the only thing I'll complain about is the length of the piece of paper is 297 millimeters. Although if I had just, it, and I'll, yeah. first, there's a very interesting gray video, uh, you know, uh, about yeah. 
the the paper size is taking over the earth. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. But um, the one thing, you know, this is a total side thing, but one thing I do like about what I was taught as a kid is the English system. I don't know what we call it now, but the um, but the twelve base, like when I do carpentry, twelve base mm-hmm. is very handy because a twelve base number system lets me cut it in thirds very easily, yep. and a ten base system does not. And uh, that's that's my one complaint. Um, so, I mean, we we can use base twelve for dividing things evenly in thirds if we want to. Yeah. Um, but honestly, if you buy a length of timber that is you know, 30 centimeters and you need to cut it into 10 centimeter lengths, then that's thirds. Um, so it's, it's never really something that's come up for me um, yeah. because it's it's easy to divide the numbers um, because everything starts out with a nice round number, um, which which helps, except for the fact that we have this weird combination of metric and imperial, which means that we measure the distance that we drive in in miles um, and the efficiency of our car in miles per gallon and we buy our fuel in liters. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's yes, weird. We buy our fuel in liters, which is just a whole other thing. But yes, we are getting sidetracked. But uh, yes, fortunately, uh, Apple uh, contacts can print on A4 or an, or anything else. And you can define custom as well, which is quite important for those people who have uh, maybe got labels which aren't quite uh, the same size as something else. Um, the the pack that my dad has, I believe they were Avery, but they are that that. That box of labels is over 20 years old now, and he thinks he's got three years left with it, um, judging by the number of Christmas cards that they send per year. Originally, he also printed those labels uh, to take on holiday, to stick on postcards. Um, but uh, my parents then stopped doing po- uh, postcards a few years ago. So uh, that that uh, makes that easier. It's one less thing to pr- do uh, before you go on holiday, which is quite nice. So uh, in terms of gift tracking, you know, every year you've got gifts you buy for other people. Yep. Um, it's easy to lose track of that. Um, mm-hmm. The way Daisy and I handle it is we have a shared um, Apple note and yep. we just write people's names down and gifts and there's a checkbox if we've already bought it or not. And I find that a very simple method that works great. But I understand you've got something a little more complex. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, because, I mean, it's pretty much just me buying these presents. Um, I, I have, uh, actually, I've got two systems. Um, and one is for gifts coming in and one is for gifts coming, going out. Um, so um, because, um, especially thanks to a, a certain pandemic, uh, my grandparents don't really leave the house anymore. Um, my parents end up doing all of the Christmas shopping for gifts um, for them to me. Um, and so uh, my parents un- understandably said, you know, we have ideas, but we don't have that many ideas. Uh, can you help us out? So I created a wish list and I just did that as a shared note. Uh, previously, my family's done this in various formats over the years. We tried using Elfster um, and various other things. And this year I just put it in a shared note um, and shared it with my parents. And there were zero complaints. They tapped on the link that they got in messages, were able to open it and see it, and then asked me questions based on the things that were in there. But it's essentially, it's an easy way of of, of just sharing things that I would like um, with them. Um, because, of course, um, you know, they 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 are apparently uh, in the process of getting some of those. Um, so, yes, that's dealt with that side of things, which is always people going, what do you want? Uh, unfortunately, I have no automation to get that information out of your head into the note. That still requires some sitting down um, and thinking about things. But uh, the other side of things for things that I'm buying, things that I'm wrapping, sending, delivering, etc., I went with Airtable because I love Airtable and it's 
infinitely powerful. Um, and I have to say, I'm really glad I did. I tried this out last year. Um, it was really useful for that. Um, and then uh, I've, I've continued it this year. I've rolled it over um, because I am. And so for everybody that I have in my contacts um, as somebody that I'm going to send a card to, I put them in the air table as well, because then I can have an easy filter for whose card have I sent and also what status is their card in. Um, so this sounds ridiculous. Um, but essentially, of course, there's uh, the, the label is printed um, and then the, the card is written um, and then the card has been posted. Um, so for, for so, let me interrupt there. So for status, you're just using a single um a single status field. Select. Yeah. 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 It's a single select. select. Um, but this means that I can build a Kanban view for the cards. Yeah. Um, and, and that makes it really, really easy. And the other thing I do is um, I, I have a checkbox for gets Christmas card because um, there, there are so people that get Christmas cards. Yeah. Um, and there are people that I may not get Christmas cards for. For example, my secret center at work still needs to go through the gift process. The gift is purchased. The gift has yet to arrive. Um, and then I will be able to wrap the gift and deliver the gift. Um, but and, that and particular person doesn't for that single status field, are you using any automation to change status? Or are you doing that manually in Airtable? No, no. I did look at trying to hook something up. Um, I do use Parcel to track all of my incoming deliveries. Um, I previously used a great app called Deliveries. Um, I ended up switching to Parcel because they have native Amazon integration, um, which is brilliant when you buy quite a few things from Amazon and they explicitly say set up mail rules to send us um the 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 um the delivery emails or dispatch emails and things like that um which is really good so i use parcel for that but they don't have an api to get data out i consider building something where when i forward an email to parcel i also forward it to something else with like integromat that goes and looks things up and then i immediately discarded that as this is way too complicated don't don't overcomplicate this. There aren't that many people that you give gifts to, um, so you know just don't don't do that and do it manually. So there there's no automation involved in updating the status of any of this. There, it, it's just a, a it, it's just a good old fashioned Rose goes in and clicks on the boxes. Well, um, I think we got that handled. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm quite glad that I did because um, it means that I can have. A Kanban view for um, either for cards and a separate one for for presents. Um, and of course, I I tend to send out my cards earlier rather than later. Um, but then presents will go out, you know, fairly close uh, to the actual holiday or be delivered to people in person. Um, so being able to get that good overview and see, um, you know, what's outstanding. You know, I'm missing a present for this person. You haven't got an idea yet. Well, okay, I guess I'll think about that and go do the washing up or something while I think about it. And then you, of course, get an idea just as you sunk your hands into a bowl of soapy water. Um, but it it means that I'm I get to feel in control of everything and uh, and you know put some automation notary into something that's already fun, which makes it more fun for me. Yeah, we we really don't do much automation in this. I have the contacts database with a separate group for holiday cards, and we I I keep that up to date as people move and change contact information. So every year I print that out. My wife actually prefers to fill out the addresses by hand. That's, mm -hmm. I mean, she gets joy out of that. So, I mean, there's no point. If it was up to me, it would be running through an Avery label. <laughs> but the, uh, uh, I guess uh, for us, that thankfully that's not the case. She, she just fills them out by hand. And then, like I said, with gift tracking, 
we really just keep it simple. It's just a, just a shared note. And Apple Notes has got so much better at stuff like this. So, I mean, in years past, we had done like databases and, and other solutions. But now that Apple Notes is pretty reliable and shared notes are really easy, uh, what Daisy and I actually just have a shared folder. Now that's a new thing you can do as of, I think, last year. Uh, so mm-hmm. in Apple Notes, we have a shared folder and then we can, I can add any document to that shared folder and we don't have to go through the process of hooking up a sync for each new note. It's just part of that folder. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Shared folders for things like that are wonderful. You could, of course, for yourself, create um, some automations to easily append something to a particular note um, if you wanted to do that. But at the same time, if it if it's easy enough to do as it is, then it works. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's like you open it up and hit the dictation button and say Lego and then you're yes. good, you know, because I'm always let's, looking let's for face it. Lego is the answer for everybody. I've got a little nephew. He's like five now. I like I'm getting him his first like big boy Lego, you know. Oh I, yeah. I I've been his supplier in the past, but now oh. we're we're past Duplo now and I can't wait. And you know, Lego does this cool thing now. Uh, I didn't realize it till just when I went shopping, but they have they have like he's really into animals, so I'm getting him mm-hmm. the um kind of the wild animal thing. And They've got one with the upper age of, I think, four or five, and one with the upper age of six or seven. And just even though they're in the same format, you know, the standard size of Lego, if you look at the box, the pieces are just a little bit more together already. Yeah. So, so I think it's like perfect for him at where he's at right now developmentally. I think he's going to love these. They're going to be a ch- enough of a challenge that he's going to have to work at it, but it's not going to be overwhelming to him. And, uh, yeah, it's not going to be a challenge that he's not able to complete and gets frustrated yeah, at because of that. So that's that's one of the gifts I'm really looking forward to giving this year. Anyway, yeah, boy, we are going off on tangents today, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, it's the holidays. Part of the fun of the holidays is seeing where you end up um, with, despite perhaps large amounts of planning or little planning, uh, just because there are so many options of things that you can do. This episode of The Automators is brought to you by an excellent podcast called In Good Companies from Cadence Bank, guiding you through the life cycle of a business from start to sale. In my other life, I spend a lot of time advising small companies. And even though you may be an expert in whatever it is you make, getting started in business isn't easy and getting advice from bankers is golden. Cadence Bank came up with this excellent podcast called In Good Companies to help small and mid-sized businesses show people how to turn their passions into their livelihood. But owning a business comes with a whole host of questions like, how do you get started and what type of loan is right for you? Do Federal Reserve policies affect your business and when should you create a succession plan? And that's where Cadence Bank can help you. On their podcast, In Good Companies, they put together their extensive knowledge to guide you through the life cycle of a business from start to sale. If you have a business or are thinking of starting one, this podcast will give you the strategies you need to navigate those opportunities and the financial and managerial tools you'll need. I listened to one of their recent episodes called New Beginnings and Getting Ready to Start Your Business. And it answered a bunch of questions about things like small business loans and creating your first business plan and the five C's of credit. These are things that people interested in starting a new business absolutely need to understand. Guests Alan Toms and Alan Adams were excellent in explaining how these things work for you. 
It's very easy for bankers to get highly technical when talking to people, but the way they did this podcast was not that. Instead, they brought everything down to very understandable terms and concepts. Anybody listening to this could get an idea of how to start their business. If you're thinking about striking out on your own, listen to this show. Starting a new business isn't easy. It's so much more than just making the widget. You need to understand how to run a business, how to work with a bank, and position yourself to succeed. This podcast explains things like bulletproof business plans, funding options, and how to develop relationships with key stakeholders. The most impressive thing about this show for me was the conversational nature of the discussion, but the very dense and useful information it conveyed. That's not an easy tightrope to walk, and they do an excellent job of it. So listen to brand new episodes of Cadence Banks in Good Companies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Go now and check it out. Search for In Good Companies wherever you get your podcasts. And our thanks to In Good Companies for their support of the Automators Podcast and all of Relay FM. All right, so we've been talking automation throughout the show, and uh, one thing I would like to talk about since we are at the holidays is giving the gift of automation. You know, mm-hmm. if you're listening to the show, you like automation. How can you share the love of automation with other people? Yeah, and um, I actually have a, a great example, fortunately, um, which my parents are really thrilled with because I gave them the gift of automation last year, and I will continue to give them the gift of automation for many years to come. Because once you once you bring people in and they're they're interested and excited by things, and it works, um, then you get to keep giving it. So it is the gift that keeps on giving in that perspective. Because um, my parents actually, um, so last year in the summer, uh, got. Uh, smart blinds, Ikea blinds um, for the upstairs of their house. So I talked them into getting the smart hub so that it will close and open light uh, blinds together and, and so on and so forth, which um, was great. And it it does things as well. If they're not at home, then it automatically closes and opens them at certain times. Um, and if they are at home, then it only opens the bedroom blinds when, you know, they've told it to open them. But otherwise, uh, things continue as normal. And that was, you know, that was a good start. Um, but then I decided, you know, let's let's enhance their automation options a little bit. And I got them two IKEA smart plugs um, and, and a remote for it because they already had the home hub. And I was able to set it up so that the lights in their living room t- turn on and off automatically for them. Uh, but they've still got a physical control, which is something that if you're giving the gift of automation, you need to think, okay, well, if if it's not working, how how are they going to do this? So giving them a physical remote control that they could just press the the buttons on was a necessary part of that, which I'm glad I did. Yeah, I think that like there's a getting people started with this stuff. There's an art to that, right? Yes. Like, like blind opening to me really was pretty aggressive as the first. Well, my parents were the ones that decided to do that. I didn't. I wasn't involved in that, other than the fact that they they saw me installing smart blinds in my house um, after I bought it um, and everything, and and then went, oh, this is really cool. This would be really good. We're we're gonna get this. Um, and so they they went to IKEA and bought some smart blinds. If they hadn't done that, I would have had to get them a hub as well. Yeah. Um, because you know that that is that is one of the things to bear in mind. Uh, you know how many how many uh, Ethernet ports does this person have on their router modem? Um, yeah. Because if they yeah. if they don't have Ethernet ports, um, then you you're going to have to be a little careful about you know what kind of things you give people. And so sometimes maybe giving Wi-Fi plugs is a better option um, for things like that. But fortunately, my parents had already gone down the 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 blinds rabbit hole there, and they were they were very happy with that. That was working. 
Um, and uh, so so I, uh, I I enhanced that by giving them a couple of smart plugs and a remote control. And then I was able to increase that this this year because I gave them the smart plugs that I used last year for my tree and lights um, and the and the remote for it. So now their 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 tree and lights will also be uh, smart controlled. Um, but they've got a little um, button that they can use on that to uh, turn that on and off manually if they want to. Or it turns out my parents love talking to uh, their Apple Watches. So that's what they do most of the time. Yeah, I, I think that um, lights are a great kind of entry point because it's just so obvious, you know, they turn off and on. Yeah. And the trick is just finding a solution for them. And I really think one of the best ways to do it, if you have the ability and if they live in circumstances where you can, is getting someone like, uh, you know, a switch, you know, get a Lutron cassette, a switch and, and maybe like a door trigger. I feel like the, you know, so you're in for under a hundred bucks to have one Lutron switch and a door trigger. And that way they've got the ability to turn the, the light off and on as they always did. So you're not taking away anything. And mm-hmm. then you've got the ability for them to use their phone to turn things off and on, which I think they'll dig. And then you've got the ability of them to have that moment of delight when they walk in and it's dark out and the lights turn on as the door opens. And I think, yeah. you know, if you can do something like that, I think you're good. And, um, but it seems to me like lights are, are kind of the entry point for this stuff. Yeah, the only thing I'll say about something like the Lutron Cassetta is that's a kind of light switch that you install in a wall. Yeah. Um, and so if you're going to do that, you probably want to install it yourself. Which oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm sorry, I should have yeah. said that, yeah. Yeah, which which is both, you know, good and bad. Um, and of course, don't forget, uh, with all of these things, if you give the gift, uh, then unfortunately you are then responsible whenever anything breaks, even if it's theoretically completely unrelated. My internet's not working, it, you did that smart thing. Yep, yeah. you're, you're going to have to watch out for that. So if yeah. you've got somebody who'll blame you for their internet being out already, then definitely don't give them the gift of uh, home automation unless they've already started trying to look for stuff, in which case make sure they get some good stuff. Yeah, and you're going to you're gonna show up for the holiday with a gift, and then in your bag you're going to have a screwdriver and a wire stripper. So, you know. Yeah, exactly, so that you can do it yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, and for people who, you know, you know they... They trust you, they love you, but they don't want you taking out their light switches. Uh, for that sort of thing, that's where I would go for the smart wall plug, um, yeah. where it just sits in between a lamp and um, the wall and turns things on and off. Because then they can still press the button um, on the wa- on the wall switch to turn it on and off. Um, I'm assuming that they get that you get a smart uh, a plug that's got a button on it for this, um, and then uh, they've they've got you know the other options as well. But what I'm doing for my parents this year, David, because they 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 they've fallen in love with automation a little bit over the last year with the lights that come on automatically when they arrive home um if it's after dark and they turn on automatically at sunset um my parents however have discovered over the last month or so that sunset is not when it's dark yeah as in it gets dark before sunset yeah. um and so what i'm doing this year is um akara have a new hub it's an e1 hub and it just looks like a long usb stick Okay. So it's a really small hub, which is great because it means that you can plug it in pretty much anywhere. It's USB. So it's uh, operating over Wi-Fi, um, which, you know, has pros and cons. Um, but I'm planning on setting this stuff up in my parents' living room. Um, so I'm getting them an Akara hub, an E1 hub, a motion sensor, and uh, a light sensor, a luminance sensor. Yeah. Because this way, if they're at home um, and there's movement in the living room, 
and it's below a certain light level and the light level is the bit that I'm going to have to play with and try and set up, um, then it can turn those lights on. It can just turn all the lamps that I already set up and automated for them last year. It'll turn those on. Um, and that um, is something that they've kind of mentioned. It would be really nice if the lights turned on, you know, just when it got dark. Um, and so I'm I'm getting them a motion sensor and a separate luminance sensor um, to do that with. I did look at Philips Hue for this because Philips Hue motion sensors have a lux sensor or a luminance sensor built into them. Um, but the problem with that is I was going to have to get them a Philips Hue hub um, to get them a Philips Hue light sensor. Um, and that didn't seem like a, a particularly great combination for a number of reasons, not only uh, price, um, because the Philips Hue um, uh, hub has to be connected by Ethernet and they're, they're out of Ethernet ports. And the last time I tried putting an Ethernet switch in there, there were mutterings, lots of mutterings. It was an interesting conversation trying to explain that actually Ethernet is better than Wi-Fi sometimes. Um, so uh, so I've gone with the, the Akara E1 hub because you just need to plug it into USB somewhere for power and that's it. Um, and uh, yeah, and this means that of course then I can get them and I have got them some temperature and humidity sensors just because it's nice to have those scattered around the house. They're very small squares. Um, they just use a coin cell battery. But if I put those around the house, then they'll know what the temperature is in different rooms because my dad's been mentioning, you know, it feels like my mom's office is a lot colder than some of the other rooms upstairs. Well, I'll be giving them the ability to determine this with very, very tiny sensors. Um, which is hopefully something that will benefit them. Yeah, that's nice. And the E1 hub is just 30 bucks on Amazon in the United States. It's a very easy yes. way, you know, like low barrier of entry. Yes. The only thing I'll say is um, when um, uh, when they first released the E1 hub, it was only available on the Chinese Akara server um, or in HomeKit only mode, I believe. Um, and now now it should be available in HomeKit mode everywhere because they are advertising it with HomeKit mode. Uh, so just double check um, the Akara website first to make sure that it is in HomeKit mode. But I'm I'm 99% certain it is um, available for HomeKit on UK, EU, and US servers. Um, so uh, yeah, it's uh, but it's pretty great, and the Akara stuff is very affordable as well, um, which makes it a really good gift because then if they decide that they want some more temperature sensors, it's going to be easy to get them. Yeah, door sensors are fifteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Temperature sensors and they're really small. Yeah, they are really small. Temperature sensors sixteen dollars. I mean, it's once you get the hub, yeah, you're uh, this is a very affordable way to get more triggers into your automation. Exactly. Yes. Um, And of course, you know, as well as giving the gift of automation, you can be receiving the gift of automation. So if you're looking for some ideas of some things that people could get you, uh, things like the door sensor and window sensor are really good. Akara also sell a vibration sensor, which I have stuck to the back of my office chair. Um, And this is one of the ways that I tell whether or not um, my, my office is you know, occupied because the motion sensor on my chair is much more likely to pick up some movement while I'm sitting here recording a podcast than the other motion sensors, which are traditional motion sensors, because a vibration sensor, of course, is more sensitive. So, uh, yeah, um, there's there's certainly a lot of options that you can give people. And I'm hoping that the the motion sensor, we may have to play a little bit with positioning to find a good spot to put it in where it can always see uh, people. But my parents don't feel like it's obtrusive. the Akara things are very small, which makes it much easier to uh, to stow a motion sensor somewhere. And the the light sensor I'll be putting on the windowsill to get an appropriate uh, and accurate light reading. 
Yeah, another really affordable car sensor is a water leak detector for eighteen dollars. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, if you've got like something that could leak water, boy, yeah, sure, like be your nice washing to... machine, your dishwasher, yeah, things like that. I've got one. I have a little outside storage cupboard here, um, which um, I, I I rent from the the complex that I live in. Um, but it's level with the path outside, so theoretically susceptible to flooding. So yeah. everything in there, I've got a, a suspended. Um, floor i just put some decking tiles down um basically to to get everything up a little bit but i put a water leak sensor in there underneath the decking uh to be clear um just to give me a a heads up early warning if there is some water um going in there that i should possibly check things out and you know buy a boat um but uh so far i've not been informed that i need to buy a boat or that water is entering there so that's really good (laughs) see now the fact that i know this exists for 18 dollars, i it's like and if someday I do have a water problem, I'm going to be really upset that I didn't do this. So Yes. The only thing I'll say is if you're looking at getting um, an Acara hub for yourself, check the number of devices that can be paired with the hub. The E1 has got a lower number of devices that can be sure. paired with it compared to their other hubs. The M2 yeah. can pair 128 sensors. Um, I started out with the M1S, which has a limit of 32 and you probably go, 32, that's so many sensors. Once you add door sensors to most of your doors and your windows, um, and then you add a vibration sensor to the back of your office chair and and so on and so forth, you very quickly reach that number. Um, yeah. So I, I would recommend potentially looking at um, one of their hubs. They do um, some cameras, which are also hubs um, as well. So if you're looking for um, a, a HomeKit camera, um, then you can get a HomeKit camera that is also in a car hub. And do a two-in-one and those compare 64 devices with them. So that's quite nice. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing is these the all the car stuff is HomeKit compatible, which means all of these sensors become triggers in HomeKit without having yep. to go to any other third-party options. So that's nice. Yes. Yeah. And then what I what I love is I set everything up in HomeKit and I use this great app called Controller for HomeKit. Um, and I just, whenever I've, you know, been doing some tweaking and playing with any of my HomeKit stuff, I back everything up just in case because every so often HomeKit gets this, I don't know, it gets it into a weird headspace and it creates this default room and moves things around. Well, by doing backups on a on a regular basis, when I, when I've been playing with things and setting up scenes and stuff, I've I've just found that this ends up being a non-issue uh, because I can always restore it. Um, though I have to say, it's not moved things into a default room in quite some time, which I'm very pleased about. All right. Um... That's it, guys. I mean, I think uh, you want to get somebody automated. I think we've given you some options. Before we go, Rose, I just want to take a minute to check in on shortcuts for Mac because mm-hmm. this is almost like a news story, even though we don't really do news stories here. But um, I don't know if you've been keeping up with the betas. I'm sure you have. But yeah. the shortcuts for Mac seems to be undergoing a massive change right now. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, it certainly feels like it, though I have to say um, that in recent times I've been spending less time on my beta laptop because, of course, I've already got Monterey installed on my iMac and I've I've got the public release on here because I don't want any of my podcast co-hosts to wish to murder me yeah. uh, because of any technology problems while recording. So I feel like I've not been as on top of this as I ought to have been, perhaps. Yeah, because, it, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is, like, broken and slow. I mean, underlying it is they wrote this in Swift UI, which is a new kind of programming environment. And I'm sure that the fact that Shortcuts team is using this is making Swift UI better, faster. But um, I, I don't know what's going on, but it feels like it's getting better now, but it's also changing. 
And like, yeah. I'm in the midst of making the shortcuts for Macfield guide. And I think I may have to just stop for a minute and let them yeah. catch that up. That is exactly the problem I've run into as well, because I've been trying to update, take control of shortcuts. And I've basically ended up having to stop because there are several things that are broken and, you know, they're, they're, they're fixed in one beta and then they break again in the next beta and so on and yeah. so forth. Um, and then, you know, the, the Mac is undergoing these changes, which is a good is a good thing. I'm really pleased that the shortcuts team are on this and they're they're working really hard. Um and I have to say, um Omnigroup have been doing uh a it's more of an alpha than a beta to be honest, um of OmniFocus 4 yeah. and that's in Swift UI. And they've been running into issues with Swift UI which are, you know, things crash and it's not because Omnigroup have necessarily programmed things wrong, it's because of Swift UI. And yeah. uh, they they've said this several times over the beta, you know, like there's a Swift UI bug here. We're 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 working on, you know, trying to get it fixed with Apple, but um they're having to write some things in AppKit to go around that um or UIKit um and 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 so on, which is just you know, it's it's less than ideal and I wonder if the shortcuts team have uh, run into the same issue or Let's face it; they've they've got an inside line, right? To the to the folks who write, sure. who are in charge of the Swift UI framework. So uh, I'm pretty certain they they they're getting some things fixed for them, which is nice. But uh, yeah, I'm crossing my fingers this continues because it's it's good to see changes. Um, yeah, well, we're going to be talking about it more when things settle. But I think the good news is it's getting a lot better, and I think it's going to be more of a kind of a team player on the Mac because it's felt very much like an iOS app on the Mac up until now. Um, yeah. But it's just kind of in this weird space. So if you're struggling with shortcuts on the Mac right now, hang in there. I think it's going to yeah. get better. Yes, I have to say, I've, I've definitely struggled with it in in some ways just because, like, for example, inserting a variable, like you end up right-clicking insert variable and the the list kind of looks like an iOS-ish list and I don't quite yeah. understand why my brain thinks that. I think it's the images next to each one, but if there weren't the images next to each one, then I would definitely struggle to recognize it. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's good that things are improving, which is nice. There's all kinds of weird things. Like if you put, because they have a menu bar icon, if you put too many shortcuts in the menu bar, it like, it, it it's very slow to move the cursor yeah. down that list. And it's just like just weird things. And um, I just think it's, you know, they're, you know, they're realizing that the Mac is a different platform than mobile and yeah. they're making the necessary changes. But I, I just wanted to update that. I don't really have a lot to say except. No, I do actually have a tip for people though, because um, one of the things that I've been doing is I've got focus modes yeah. um, and I wanted to start, I've got a generic podcasting focus mode. I wanted to start that, automatically when I choose any of my, um, you know, podcast uh, recording setups. And I use Bunch for choosing the podcast recording setups. And I was trying to figure out how to do this. And there are a whole bunch of different options. Um, Stephen Millard, who was on the show before, um, did a great post um, on how he's got all the shortcuts into Alfred. Um, and he's got a workflow that you can download for that. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, but um, what I ended up doing for this, because I just wanted to be able to add it as a line, a really simple line to all of um, my bunch um, uh, bunches for for this. Um, I in the shortcuts view, the grid view. Yeah. If you click on a shortcut there and then you add it to the dock, what that does is it actually puts a reference to your shortcut in your users applications folder. Ah. So not the big applications folder where everything gets installed, but your yeah. users applications folder. So you can then remove it from the dock. 
Um, and then you can still call that because you've added it to a folder, which is then visible everywhere. And of course, things like Bunch and so on will happily read that folder to find out what applications have been installed for your specific user. Interesting. Um, yeah. So that's what I've been doing with that. And I think, and I know quite a few people have been asking me, you know, how can I um, run um, a shortcut automatically um, for various different things? Um, and this is one of the ways that you can do that. Um, there is also another app which recently came out, um, which basically aims to be the automation tab for shortcuts on the Mac. Um, because if you look at shortcuts on iOS um, and iPadOS, then yeah. it's got an automation tab, but there isn't one on the Mac. Um, and th that was something that drove me a little bit crazy. But somebody, of course, has written their own app, which its entire purpose is to be um, the automation tab of shortcuts on the Mac. Um, so I, I, I both love this and I think they're going to get Sherlocked next year. Oh, definitely. Um, and I think this will be built in. But yeah. at the same time, you know, it is it is fabulous that somebody out there has done this. And so I'll include a link to that one in the show notes as well. Well, I, I do think that progress is, is happening here and it's going to get better. But it's just we're in a very weird space right now. And Rose is trying to update her book. I'm trying to make a field guide and it's, it's actually quite challenging. Yeah, it's one of those things we do all the work and then things change, yeah. which is to be expected. But once when you've not been able to release the changes that have happened already, it, it's a little frustrating at times. Yeah. We'll get there. But I think it's I think it's getting there. All right, we are the Automators Podcast. You can find us over at relay.fm slash automators. Uh, you can find those forums we mentioned earlier at talk.automators.fm. That's also the website for the show, automators.fm, if you want to go check that out. And uh, we want to thank our sponsors this week, and that's our friends over at LinkedIn, Dev and Think, and In Good Companies. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye.